0: I want you to take your Bible this morning and just turn to John 3, excuse me, John 14, 13, and 14. I've got three scriptures uh, that I'm going to use at the beginning of the message, but that's one of them. Give the choir an opportunity to be seated. Um, You know, it's amazing how you uh, know something, but then God shows it to you in another light. Uh, and today, I'm going to talk about living in faith or living in fear. But I'm praying that God will give you an understanding, a new understanding of what it is to have faith in the promises of God so that you won't live in fear. John 14, 13, and 14. And then we'll look at Hebrews eleven six. Hebrews uh, 3.12 and 2 Timothy 3.1. We've been talking about, singing about the name of Jesus. And here's an awesome promise that Jesus gave us. John 14, 13 and 14. And whatever you ask, Now, think about these words of Jesus. And whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, what an awesome, awesome promise about prayer. Whatever you ask in my name. That will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Whatever, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Hebrews 11.6. What an awesome verse this is. What a tremendous promise, but at the same time, admonition it is. Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith, it is impossible to... To please him. Now I know what the word impossible means. It's impossible. Without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is. Well, that's a, you need to underline that. When you come to God, you must believe that he is. And he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Then Hebrews 3.12, a great warning. Beware, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. An evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Father, now anoint this message in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul wrote to Timothy... 2 Timothy 3 1. He said, Timothy, in the last days, perilous times will come. The word perilous means uncertain, it means dangerous. And the word peril, we know what? Well, they're in peril. You know, we're living in those days. Without any question, these are perilous times times of uncertainty, times of uh, uh, alarming times. We're living in perilous times. And the truth of the Word of God is that God's children throughout history have lived in perilous times. But the mark of a child of God is we live in faith and not in fear. So much of the news today is kind of spun toward creating fear in our hearts about what's going to happen. But we know that fear is not of God. We know that. And so in these perilous times, we need to respond in faith and not in fear. These are really, they're they're perilous times globally. Have you noticed how it's just chaos? I mean, Syria, 70,000 massacred. I mean, it's been going on now for a number of years. Seems to be no end. And then, of course, there's uh, Iran and North Korea that now are, quote, unquote, blowing the trumpet of a nuclear threat. So globally, th- these are perilous, perilous, perilous times. There, there's war and rumors of war. One of the most disturbing is that what's going on in Egypt now and how disturbing that is. Well, then it's perilous times economically. You know, uh, unemployment, uh, global e- the global economy with the European nations, with Greece and others on the brink, with unbridled spending in America. We're like a, a, a freight train headed for a crash and Nobody has enough sense to see it and stop it. Uh, it's alarming. The economic condition. Oh, I know. Right now they're talking about you know the stock markets at a new high and all that. But friend, don't 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 fool yourself. You cannot spend unbridledly and and, and continue to have prosperous as a nation. So these are perilous times uh, economically, and they're perilous times uh, morally. America's morally bankrupt. 65% of Americans do not believe in moral absolutes. Humanism has become the god of society. And situational ethics, which says the situation determines if it's right or wrong, is now the ruling moral thing in America. These are alarming times morally. To think that the Supreme Court is now debating whether or not uh, about the foundation and the sacredness of marriage Who ever thought we'd get to such an alarming time in the time of our nation? These are alarming, uh, perilous times politically. I mean, we're a divided nation, divided. I I mean, Congress is gridlocked, seems that we can't get together on anything, and we just seem to be just tossing like the waves to and fro politically in our country. These are perilous times religiously. We're right where Timothy said we would be, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Religion in America is in the apostasy, the falling away from the God who quote we claim to worship. You know they're they're perilous times educationally. You know what it says in um, in Second Timothy three says, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. We've never had more knowledge, but we've never had less truth. And so, I'm just saying to you what you already know, that we are living in perilous times. Now the question is, will you respond with fear or will you respond at faith? I believe the time will come when fear will sweep across this nation. And I believe it will be a time when the body of Christ has a chance to be salt and to be light while other people's lives are falling apart, while other people are paralyzed by fear. We will be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And we will be able to be a testimony that our confidence is in the living God and that He's sovereign and that He's in control of all things. But I'm telling you, If we're not going to respond in fear, we've got to learn how to walk in faith. Now, the Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For those who come to God must believe that He is, and the rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. You know, now here's the basis of this message today. I don't think I've ever said it this way before. Our faith is not in the promises of God our faith is in the God who made the promises now I want you to think about that you said well we gotta we we gotta believe the promises of God and I agree and I'm all for the promises of God and I will tell you what I think their purpose is but I'm gonna tell you right now you, you gotta get beyond the promises our faith is not in the promises of God but in the God who made the promises. See, a promise is no greater than the person that made it. I read an unusual illustration about that. Now, here's a guy who has no money, but he he makes out his will. And he dies, and the family comes in. Now, this guy was almost penniless. And in the will, he says, Now, I leave uh, my yacht in the Gulf of Mexico to my son, I leave my 100 acres uh, estate in Florida to my daughter. And they're sitting there saying, what is this? This guy lost it before he died. He hadn't, doesn't have anything. You see, he made some promises, but he was no better than the man who made the promise. Somehow, you've got to get beyond the promise. And you've got to get to know the God who made the promise. And your confidence will not be in the promise of God, but your confidence and faith will be in the God who made the promise. You know, the Bible says that unbelief is an awful thing. And you know why it is? Because you know what the Bible says about unbelief? Now, I want you to listen to this verse. It says, Beware lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief, Now, wait a minute. And departing not from the promises of God. And departing from the living God. You see, unbelief is not just quote, unquote, not believing the promises of God. But it's departing from the God who made the promises. He said, you're departing, uh, an evil heart of of, of unbelief, from departing from the living God. See, our faith is not in the promises. It's in the God who made Promise. You know what God said about Israel when they refused to go into Canaan? You know what He said about them? If you read Hebrews 3, it says, They have rebelled against me. God saw their unbelief and not believing that He had given them the land and it was theirs. All they had to do was go in. He, he did not say, Well, they, they've, they, they've refused to believe my promises. No. Over three times in Hebrews 3, God said, you know, they rebelled against me. They rebelled against me. Because I'm going to tell you something. Unbelief is not just about the promises of God. Unbelief is about the God who made the promises. And so what we've got to do is go beyond the promises of God to the God who made them. You say, well, Brother Fred, let me ask you this. What's the value of the promises of God? What's the value of them? Number one. The promises of God tell me what I can claim. You read the Word of God, and the Word of God says, hey, God's promised this. So the value of the promises of God is to tell me what I can claim as far as God is concerned. You, You know another value of the promises of God? It tells us what God has planned for us. Hey, God says, I promise you this, and well, I can claim that. Our God, the purpose of this promise is what I planned for you. So the promises of God are good. And they show us what we can claim. And it shows what God has planned for us. And you know, I'll tell you another value of the promises of God. Is they give us truthful direction for our life. Truthful direction for our life. And that's valuable as we walk with God every day. But those promises are no greater than the God who made them now here 's what I want you to see, and I know you will we got to know, we've got to know the God who made the promises. Our confidence is not in the promise. our confidence is in the God who made them, because you know when you when the circumstances are overwhelming you and when life seems to be caving in on you and it's very hard to hold on to a promise unless you know the one behind the promise. And the Bible doesn't say our, uh, our, God's promises are our refuge and strength. It says God is my refuge and strength. A very present help in the time of trouble. And so we have to get beyond the quote promises of God to God himself. Now, I want you to notice this. You know what it says in Jeremiah 23, 9, 23, and 24? Now, get this. In Jeremiah 9, 23, and 24, said, Let not the wise man boast in his might. Let not the mighty man boast in his uh, uh, might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But he that boasts boast in this, that he knows me. Let him boast in the fact that he knows me. The living God who executes righteousness and judgment in the earth. He said, man, the the bottom line is knowing God. God who made the promise. Now that's why Hebrews 11 verse 6 says this. He that comes to God, here it is, must believe that he is. You know, I sometimes wonder, when the storm comes and when, when, when things begin to cave in in our life, it seems like some people just absolutely fall apart. You say, well, Brother Fred, they just didn't know and believe the promises of God. No, most of them could tell you the promises of God. But the problem is they have not had that intimate knowledge and walk with the God who made the promise. I'd much rather know the promiser than just a promise. And the Bible just keeps telling us that we have to know God. We have to know Him intimately. We have to know Him personally. And we have to walk with Him every day. Here's a great example of what I'm talking about. Not just knowing the promises, but the God who made them. Boy, I love Abraham. You know, he's called the father of the faithful. You know that? Abraham is the father of the faith. Now now listen to what this says about Abraham. He knew the promise, but wait a minute. He knew better the God who made the promise. I want you to listen to what he said in in, in Romans chapter 4, verse 5. God had promised him uh, a son in his old age. His name was Isaac. And it says here, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. Now, here's the key. Listen to the next verse. Being fully convinced that what God had promised, he was able to perform. See, Abraham's faith went far beyond the promise that God was going to give him a son in his old age. But it went to the point that he knew that the one who gave him the promise was faithful, and was able to perform what he said. Hey, listen, you can memorize every promise of God, but if you somehow don't get to know the God behind those promises intimately, and you know that you can trust him, and you know that he is faithful, uh, uh, and you know his character, you see, really, uh, it's not the promises of God, it's the character of God that is behind those promises, that we build our faith upon. You know, if you know God, then you look at his promises and you say, you know, every one of those he'll perform. All the promises of God in Christ Jesus are yes and amen. But if you do not have that intimate knowledge of God if you do not know Him, know how to talk to Him, know how to listen to Him, and know how to walk with Him, they're just going to be words on a printed page. Because it's not the promise. It's the God who is behind the promise. You know, I, I, I love just to think about the, the, the character and nature of God. I just think about the God who made the promises. You know, the Bible says He's all-powerful. Now, I'll tell you something, when somebody makes a promise that's all-powerful, I guarantee you they're able to fulfill the promise. You know, there are many verses I could give you on the omnipotence of God, how powerful He is. But you know what I like, and you've heard it many times? Over in Jeremiah, he was just talking to Jeremiah in a difficult time, and this is what he said in Jeremiah 32, verse 27. He said, Jeremiah, I am the Lord. I am the God of all flesh. There is nothing that's too hard for me. Well, you know, Brother Fred, the Bible says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But you're not living there. Somehow you haven't realized that the God that you're trusting is the one who is all powerful. He said, I'm the God of all flesh. Nothing, nothing is too hard for me. When you pray for revival, when you pray for unsaved people. When you pray for members of your family, man, you know what God has promised, but you've got to look beyond that and say, but God, I know you are all powerful and you are able to do all things and your faith just goes beyond that promise to the omnipotence of almighty God. Hey, by the way, the Bible says that God's not only omnipotent, all powerful, the God who made the promises. The Bible says he's omniscient. He knows all things, and He's everywhere. Boy, you talk about a great, great, you know, about the omnipresence of God, Him being present everywhere, and Him knowing all things. Did you know in one Psalm, in about eight verses, it talks about the God who's made the promises to us is omniscient, He knows all things, and He's omnipresent. Listen to this. Psalm 139, does God, is he, does he really know all things? It says, oh God, you searched me and knew me. You, went, you knew when I sit down and you know when I rise up. You're, you understand my thoughts afar off. You know my path and my lying down and you're acquainted with all of my ways. Hey, God who made the promise, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You know what? The Bible says that He knows everything about you. When you get up, when you lay down, He knows the path you're taking. See, the God who made the promises to us is not only omnipotent, all-powerful, but He's, om- he's omniscient. He knows all things. But get, get this, the Bible says He's omnipresent. In verse 7 of Psalm 139, where can I go from your spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. You know, you may know about God and you may know about his promises, but you can't be satisfied until you know God and you know him as your omnipotent, heavenly father and you know him as your omniscient heavenly father who knows all things and you know there's nowhere you can go to get out of the presence of the living God you see faith is that we believe God is and that it rewards those who diligently seek him it's the nature and power of God hey I read this recently talking about the God who made the promises, God is infinitely honest. He is not a man that he could lie. It says in Hebrews 6, for it is impossible for God to lie. So so if you know that he's infinitely honest, then you know every promise of God in the Word of God is absolutely true. He's infinitely honest. Hey, by the way, do you know that God is... uh, infinitely rich oh yeah we wonder if god can supply our needs You know what it says over in philippians but my god shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by christ jesus you know we're talking about jesus and we know the lord jesus that though he was rich yet for our sakes he became poor that we through his poverty might be made rich You know, I'm afraid sometimes we falter and we let fear get a hold of us because we know the promises of God, but we're not intimate and personal and close with the living God. Because I'm telling you, our faith is not in the promises of God. As good as they are, they're in the God who made the promise. And when you know Him, in his omnipotence and omniscience and omnipresence. And, and he, you, he he's not a man that he could lie. Whatever God said, he will do. You know, God's infinitely faithful. He's infinitely faithful. It says in Deuteronomy, it says, and God, the faithful God. You see, when fear sweeps across... But if you know, wait a minute, I know know that my God is faithful. I know His faithfulness. I know He cannot fail. You see, somehow you've gotten beyond the promise, as great as they are, and you're trusting in the God who made that promise. I I just got to thinking about some of the promises of God. Man, do you know the promise He made about prayer? You know, in John first, first John five fourteen and fifteen says, "Let me read that to you." It's talking about God's faithfulness in, in, in answering prayer. But but you see, it's, it's 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 God that made the promise. It says, "And if we know if we ask anything, now stay with me, we know that if we ask anything according to His will, that He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, we know we have the petitions." that we have made of him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know he hears us, we know we have what we ask of him. Hey, what a promise about prayer. You know, I'll be honest with you. I think unanswered prayer is a great discouragement to the body of Christ many times. We pray and nothing seems to happen. We pray and there doesn't seem to be any answer. And after a while, people begin to wonder well, does God really hear? Well, if you know the God behind it, you know that if you ask anything according to His will, He hears you. And if He hears you, He will answer you. You know. Now, you know God, you know Him through Jesus Christ, and our confidence is in God. That's where our confidence is in His, pra- and, 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 and His promises. But also, we pray with confidence, or we believe God, that's a better word, on the merits of Jesus Christ, on what Jesus Christ has done for us. Hey, the Bible says, having therefore, brethren, boldness, confidence, to enter into the very holy presence of God through the presence of Jesus. So, so we come to God, and we know who He is, and We come to him on the merits of Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. And and there in, in, in Christ and his finished work, in God the Father and Christ his finished work, there rises in us faith, faith that the God who made the promise and the Savior who purchased the promises is able to perform what God said he would. I'm telling you, it's like the Lord spoke to me almost audibly when he said, the time is coming when when this world is going to be gripped by fear. And said, my children have the opportunity to be light and salt. That when fear comes, they walk in faith. And it's not just in my promises but it's in who I am. And it's in my son and what he's done for them. And so you take this as an admonition to you You know the promises of God. But man, you know the God who made the promises. You know, I I just want to close by just giving you a few promises. And these, you know why I know these true? Because God is true. Because I know who he is. Because I know Jesus. It says, you know, know, one, one great promise. Romans 8, 31. If God be for us. Who can be what? Against us. Now those are just words, but wait a minute. I'm talking about the God that is for us. The God who created this world out of nothing. The God who said that there be light, and there was light. The God who hung the stars in space, and knows them by name. Well if God, oh I'm talking about the God I know. If God be for us, who can be against us? He who spared not his own son, but delivered him up freely for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? You know, much of the Christians in the world today live in constant peril, in the Muslim world, and Korea, and all the used to be the common. Many, most of the believers live in constant peril, but you know what? They don't quit. They don't back up. They don't shut up. They don't give up. You know why? Because they not only have faith in the promises of God, they know the God who made the promises. And man, it goes on in that eighth chapter of uh, Romans. Now, listen to this. Paul wrote this. He says, I am persuaded. What was he persuaded? Uh, and who God was and what God could do. He was persuaded that he knew God and knew Jesus. He said, well, I won't tell you where I'm at. And he'd experienced all of this, Paul had. I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers, things present, things to come, height to death, no other creature can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus, my Lord. He said, I'm more than a conqueror through Christ that loved me. You know, the promises of God are as great as the God who made the promises. I, I love this one. In Hebrews 3.20, a person told me that shortly after they got saved, and they had really grown in the Lord, that this was the first verse that God used to kind of cement them. It's Ephesians 3.20, unto him, to him, you can see our faith is in God. It's in Jesus. Unto him, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask or think. Now, you, that, that'll blow your mind if you think about that. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than I could ever ask or could think. Now, you're not going to be able to, to embrace that unless you know the God that he was talking about the omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God who created everything and who is our Father and who loves us and who's faithful to us. And He's always spoken the truth to us. Boy, there's another great verse. And boy, you've got to know the God who said this or it won't mean anything to you. And we we quote it all the time. Paul was pleading with God to take away his thorn in the flesh. And God said to Paul, he said, Paul, let me tell you something. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. For when you're weak, that's when you're strong. Now, now let me say something. I see people and they get in the the, the storm and, 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 and fear tries to grip their heart. But you know, unless they know the God who said it, my grace is sufficient, they'll begin to say, well, where, where's the grace of God? I mean, where's the sufficiency, man? I'm falling apart. I, I mean, everything that around me is negative. But then you've got to go back, but wait a minute, he's not a man that he could lie. He's not a man that he can lie. And it was my God who said, The omnipotent one who loves me who said that his grace is sufficient, not will be, it is sufficient. Listen, it can't just be in our head some words. It's got to be in our heart that we know the God who made the promise. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. So when you're weak, then I'm strong. And that's why Paul could say, because he knew God, therefore I will gladly glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ might rest upon me. Do, do, do you know the God who made this promise? Well, if you do, it, it'll help you. You won't, you won't be controlled by fear. Romans 8, 28. For my God works all things together for good to them who love God. See, it's a promise, but it's all tied to knowing God and to loving God. But God works all things together for good to those who loved him and who are called according to his purpose. And then there's one other promise, and I could just go on and on. But remember, remember, our faith is not in the promises of God, but it's in the God who made the promise. I want to ask you, do you know him? Do you know him intimately? Do you know him personally? Do you talk to him? Do you listen to him? Do you obey him? Do you have a relationship with him that nothing can shake? The Bible says the time is coming that when everything can be shaken, will be shaken, that the things which cannot be shaken will remain. And I'm telling you, if you know God, and you have an intimate walk with Him, and you know Jesus, and He's a vital part of your life, I'm telling you, everything around you may be shaken, but we've got a kingdom in Him that cannot be shaken. See, we've got to get beyond the purpose of the Scriptures is to lead us to Jesus, the purpose of the Scriptures is for us to get to know the God of the Bible. You may know the Bible, but you may not know the God of the Bible. You may know the Scriptures, but you not, may not know the Scriptures, uh, the Jesus that the Scriptures talk about. I love this one. Because, you know, we, we, there are two more. that, that just all the, pro- all the promises of God are true and amen. And uh, they they show us what we can claim. They show us God's direction in our life. They, 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 They show us truthful, the truthfulness of God. But sometimes we wonder how secure are we in Christ. You know, the devil will love to try to make you doubt when things are going difficult. But I love what Jesus said. My sheep know my name. And they follow me. Now listen to this. And I give them eternal life. And they will never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. Well, boy, that just shuts the devil up. When he says, your God's forsaken you, your God's not there for you. These promises of God don't work. No, no, he says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can pluck them out of my hand. My Father who gave them to me is greater than all. And no one can take them out of my Father's hand. Wow, if you know the God who said that. But here's one, one, and, and the Lord brought this to me. And you need to hear this if you're a child of God. See, this is a great promise. Because we all have our ups and downs in the Christian walk. Sometimes we're walking in holiness. And sometimes we get knocked off our feet. And the enemy comes and says, you're not going to make it. I wish I could say that all of us were sinlessly perfect after we get saved. But that's not true. The flesh fights against the spirit. And the spirit fights against the flesh. And there is a battle. Now, if we walk in the spirit, we won't fulfill the desires of the flesh. If we're spiritually minded, that is life. If we're carnally minded, that is death. But I want you to think about this. You're talking about a promise. And if you know the God who made this promise, Philippians 1.6, you know what it says? He who began a good work in you will continue it till the day of Jesus Christ. When you were born again and God began a good work in you, the Bible says that not that you will perform it, that he who began a good work in you will continue it till the day of Jesus Christ. What God started God is going to finish. I do believe that in my lifetime, there will come a time when fear will sweep across this nation. And lost people and those who don't have any security in Christ, they're going to be paralyzed. I'm telling you. Fear. But you know, that's not going to be true of God's children. Because we know the God who is in control. And we know Not only His promises, but we know Him. And we know Him through His Son, Jesus Christ. And man, we can live with confidence in the promises of God because we know the God who made the promises.